0: on the block on demand they don't know about the kumbaya meetings we had this week i may have some news for you in a moment without jerry mcmahon we wouldn't have won 10 games this year continue standing by okay not 10 25 footer yes off the glass and in an assassin stone cold somebody in- they just told him they were going to win by 20. The Bills make me want to Taylor going to take his shot. Throwing end zone. He's got Watkins. Touchdown. They didn't look into the group. They didn't look into my heart. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent ax Ah, the... ESPN Radio 97.7 100.1 ESPN Radio, Utica Road What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always You can listen online Oh yes, they do have the internet on computers now ESPNSyracuse.com or on the app That is a terrific way to stay in touch You pull up the ESPN app, you find the listen tab There's ESPN Syracuse, and we go where you go. Another beautiful central New York day. Right off the bat, most important item on the docket. Let us wish a very happy birthday to my daughter, Sophie. Happy birthday, sweetie. She's 11, and wow, that's just, she's 11. (laughs) I just, oh boy, here we go. All downhill from here, right? No, but happy birthday. To little Sophie, not so little anymore, she's 11. It is a gorgeous day in central New York. Sun is shining, 75 degrees, perfect fall day, so get out there, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy Sophie's birthday, and take us with you on the ESPN app. Just a reminder, though, that we are on iTunes, oh yes, search ESPN Syracuse in iTunes, hit that subscribe button, and the best of this show will be sent to you as soon as it's available, which is usually not too long after we get off the air. And you can catch up on old shows or listen on your time, all right? Here's how you get in touch with the show today. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the text line is 288-0644. We have two guests that are going to come by today. Ready or not, kids, it's hockey time. Can you believe it? This is that time of the year. The baseball playoffs start tonight, which we will certainly discuss later in the program. The NFL, college football, Rolling. College basketball starting to creep in the discussion And not just FBI investigations But real, actual college basketball The Orange are practicing And everybody's getting rolling again The National Hockey League Starts tomorrow night Real hockey games And you know what starts this weekend? Your Syracuse Crunch are back on the ice too One of the great times of the year in sports This and, and, you know, kind of early April, late March When everything is rolling there. Hockey and NBA playoffs. Final four, the Masters, the NFL draft. There's a couple times a year where everything just kind of pow, comes together. And this is one of them. So we are gonna bring on the head coach of the Crunch entering his second year, coming off a Calder Cup finals appearance, which was seems like it was a week ago, right? Ben Grew, the head coach, will join us to get us an early sneak peek at what kind of team he is putting together to start off the twenty seventeen. 18 season in the next hour we'll catch up with our friend tim Benz. tim is a syracuse grad he is a columnist at the pittsburgh tribune review and espn radio in pittsburgh get a preview of those panthers Tim's still a passionate uh, syracuse alum and follower so i'm sure he'll have some thoughts on syracuse as well we'll do that later on hot takes as usual to come here in this hour but i did want to start with syracuse and pittsburgh and listen Every week is different. You cannot take what a team did last week and bring it to this week. It truly is a week-by-week thing. Momentum and confidence and how you're playing and how you're improving, these things can't carry over from one week to the next. But this is why coaches constantly tell us and remind us of these things, that every week is different, every week tells a different tale. And you know that's why they try and get teams into as much routine as we can and as they can, and the 24-hour rule, whether you win or lose, because you've got to prepare for Pittsburgh the same way you prepare for Clemson, the same way you would prepare for Central Connecticut State, but that's where good coaching comes in. That's when you weigh the emotional highs and lows. It's a little different like when Syracuse had to go to play death in Death Valley a couple of weeks ago against LSU. I mean, a good coach isn't just going to... Give you the old, uh, this is just another game routine, right? You can't do that, and you shouldn't do that. Now, that being said, you want to find, as Dino Babers would tell you, you want to be consistently good, not occasionally great. And that's fair to say, because that's what you want a football team to be. So I'm trying not to look at this game and base anything on what happened last week or the week before that. What I am basing it on, and the confidence that I have that Syracuse needs to come out and take care of business this week, is I just don't think Pittsburgh's a very good team. And I'm going to give Tim Benn's perspective on this. He follows him closer than we do. But I've watched Pittsburgh this year. And it's unfair to judge Pittsburgh in one sense because they've had a tough schedule. Syracuse has a tough schedule overall, but Pitt has played some teams early in the season. That are just two of the best teams in college football right now. Two top fifteen teams. I mean, Oklahoma State lost to TCU, so they slipped a little bit, but that's still a ranked team and a team that could, you know, go out there and and score a lot of points. And as a Heisman trophy candidate, a quarterback, and three or four NFL players on both sides of the ball. And Oklahoma State smoked Pittsburgh 59 to 21. And Penn State, last year, Pitt and Penn State played an amazing game, came right down to the end. This year, Penn State beats Pittsburgh, beats them soundly, leading James Franklin, hence the theme we're discussing here, how each game kind of molds into the other. But it came off as an insult. He said, yeah, this, this was like the Akron game that they played the week before, right? He didn't mean that like Pitt was as bad as Akron. What he meant was we played to the best of our capability. Therefore, it was like the Akron game. But it didn't come across that way, okay? Now, Pittsburgh does have this going for them. They played Rice last week. And if things do carry over, if you want to go with the theory that things carry over from one week to the next, well, Pitt had an easier game than Syracuse did. Syracuse had an NC State team that is fighting for second place in that Atlantic division behind Clemson and a more competitive game, a game they played much better in the second half. You know the story with Syracuse. Pitt got Rice. And rolled and finally got a good game out of Max Brown, their transfer quarterback from USC, who still is, you know, throwing at 71 percent this year. Still a quarterback that Syracuse cannot give time to throw the football to. But really with Pitt, you know, it's not who they have. It's who they lost and how they're recovering from that. Mac Canada moved on to LSU, as we know. Saw him a couple of weeks ago. Dorian Johnson gone off that offensive line. A couple other key players off that offensive line from last year. Young Nathan Peterman, I thought was on track to bump Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo, but that process has been delayed, but still, in the National Football League. James Conner is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a lot of talent you got to replace. And they thought they had a good quarterback to do that. With Max Brown. Now he threw for over 400 yards last week. He kind of found himself gained some confidence. Remember one time Syracuse target Quadre Olison, He's at running back. Greg Aston has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. And that's a big loss for Pitt. So they're hurt there. Quadre Henderson just has not been the same player this year. He's one of the more dynamic players all around in the ACC. And for Pitt last year he just hasn't been the same. Pitt does have a couple of really good cornerbacks, pardon me. Avante Maddox, I think, can really match up well with Steve Ishmael, and Jordan Whitehead is a good player. But I just watch Pitt, and I've seen him a few times this year, and I'm just not impressed. I think if confidence does build, and things carry over from one week to the next, here we are in Game 6 of that stretch, right? Game 4 through 6 is when you really see things crank up. That's the narrative. That's what we've been discussing. Dino Babers, while acknowledging some things have changed, hasn't backed off from that. So as we continue to monitor that, I'm just looking at a game and I'm like, look, in a schedule that is a bear, you just had LSU and NC State, and I understand LSU is nowhere near what we thought they would be. But, you know, going in, everything we thought That was going to be a tough game. And they still lost the game, right? NC State turned out to be better. After this week, it's Clemson in Miami, and you get Clemson on a short week. So if you are going to be serious about taking a step forward as a team and making the advancements, and I'm not just talking about Dino's prophecy of game four through six, it is a matter of you have got to take care of business when you win the matchups, when you're the better team, when you're at home. And I know... For entertainment purposes only is why Syracuse is a favorite, but they are a favorite. So what I want to see on Saturday, what I think you need to see on Saturday, is a team that plays like a favorite, a team that plays for two halves, a team that finds a running game, a team that you're not going to solve all your problems in one week, but you don't have as many problems on the field as you did a week ago. A team that does not, and boy, if if I'm talking about this again next week, we've got a bona fide problem here, but that does not have 12 penalties for 93 yards. Really, what I'm kind of asking is for this team, for the coaches, for the players to put their money where their mouth is a little bit when they say the things they say after, you know, games and in press conferences, we got to work on that, we're going to watch the film. It's like, this is a real show-me game for this team. Because the old cliche the coaches will fall back on it's not about them it's about us well okay let's see that because the us in this case i want to see the improvements that you say you can do and need to do namely running the football let's start there but the them in this case Pitt's just not a good team i'm sorry i've watched him a few times this year maybe i'm Diluted because they played Oklahoma State and Penn State. They played some good teams, but I'm not impressed. And in a year when you get no breaks on the schedule short of Boston College at the end of the year, this is not a break. It's a league game. It's somewhat of a rivalry game. There's some history there. And you know what, too? This should be a pissed-off football team playing Pittsburgh because of the way that, and I'm sorry, that was an embarrassing game. They played at Pitt last year, and I know that there were injuries, and Zach Mahoney did everything he could to win that game. I mean, Zach Mahoney, folks, put up 61 points in that game. That should be enough. There are enough players that played in that game that are still on this team that they should look back on and say, that is an embarrassment, and we are not going to let that happen again. That is still fresh enough in their minds. Even though they played a few games this year and, you know, maybe that may start starting to fade. Maybe you want to block it out. That game is like, you know, what's that, you know, in old school when Will Ferrell just like blanks out and blurts out the answer to that really hard question and then he wakes up like 30 seconds later. Like, what happened? What, what happened? That's that Pitt-Syracuse game. Like that happened 76-61. Back and forth, no defense to be found. Frankly, a team that I think—look, I don't think they quit, but you could see a team that you know knew like it was the end of the season, and you just didn't get the same spirited effort that you would in other games. So this is a show me game. I'm not going to say a must win or some of these other labels that you use in football. I don't want to hear about cliches. I don't want to hear about all this football stuff. I want to see Syracuse go out and. Beat a team that they absolutely should beat by being on the same field with them. Oh, well, football, you never know. And do they? No. You know what this game is to me? If you want to put a label on it, it's a no excuses game. This is a no excuses type of game to me that they're playing against Pitt. 437-7644, Brentax Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. No excuses. The last two weeks out, ah, we're close, we're there, and to, to their credit, the team has not been piling the excuses on. But after what they've done the last two weeks, this is one of those weeks where you need those things to come together. I don't want to hear excuses after the game. This is a results kind of day because of what's ahead of you. You finally have a team after a bear of a run and up another really tough run ahead of you. With Clemson, Miami, and Florida State ahead, and Florida State's after a bye, and they're not quite what we thought they were, but who wants that stretch on their schedule? You have enough of a breath here. I am in no way saying this is an easy game. That's why you're prepared. That's college football. It's a league game, and this is a team, mind you, they've lost a lot of key players from that game, but Pitt's coming in saying, hey, we beat you 76-61 last year. It's time to punch back. It is time to show what kind of team they have because this might be one of your only opportunities to do it for about a month before you get Wake Forest down the road. And on that note, we'll take a break. We will switch gears a little bit when we return. Believe it or not, it is time to drop the puck. It is time to talk hockey. It's here. It's here. I know. It's 75. It's sunny. There's not a cloud in the sky. What do you mean hockey? No, hockey is back this weekend. Crunch home openers coming up. Let's get an early sense of what kind of team We're going to watch, starting this weekend, the head coach, Ben Grew. See what kind of summary he had, what he did to prepare for year two, and what kind of an early roster we have here in Syracuse. Certainly some familiar names that are on this team that you just saw make a Calder Cup run. But who are some of the new faces that we need to get to know? We'll talk to the head coach coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. i tell you, I took a look at Baines in the shower. I, I, he looks like all of Australia. <laughs> he is really put together. All righty then. Hey. That is Tommy Heinsohn. He is uh, the color analyst on the uh, Boston Celtics broadcasts. Actually played with Bill Russell, played for those great Celtics teams back in the day, 85 years old, and uh, observer in the shower. What a way to start hot takes, huh? Hit me with that fancy open. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. It Yes! <laughs> Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. The NBA All-Star Game has a new format. Is that gonna make you wanna watch the NBA All-Star Game more? Here's what they're doing. Ready? And if you think I'm doing the story just to have an excuse to play the NBA and NBA the NBA on NBC theme, then. Well, you're right, but listen, the NBA All-Star Game to me is always one of those oh yeah kind of things, like oh yeah, that's on. I don't seek it out. I don't care. I don't go out of my way to watch the three-point contest or the slam dunk. It's just this, I think All-Star Games as a concept are kind of outdated. I don't think we need them anymore. I mean, they're fun and great and have at it and they're great for local communities like you know the ahl all-star game was here and it's going to utica again and it's okay fine you know but they're just like league conventions and they do some funky things and we all move on with our lives right then there's baseball that completely botched it and finally got rid of that stupid rule that the winner gets home field advantage in the most important event in the sport so here's the new format Via ESPN, the NBA All-Star Game will switch formats. Two captains will select teams without regard to which conference the players play. NBA announced today the players who win the fan vote from each conference will be the captains. There will still be 12 players selected from each conference. This year, the game's in Los Angeles on February 18th. Five players from each conference will be selected as starters. The fan vote being worth 50%. Player vote worth 25%. Media vote worth 25%. Seven reserves for each team will be picked by each conference's head coaches. Well, oh, isn't that special? I mean, I really don't care. East-West, North versus South. Here, Here's the only All-Star game I care about. Toons versus Monstars. Okay, if you can make that happen, I'm in. I'm watching. Aren't they remaking Space Jam, by the way? I'm not so sure about that. You know, there's certain movies you just don't really need to remake. Point Break certainly being one of them. I don't know if you really need to remake Space Jam, but it'll make $100 million, and everybody will have a good time. Uh, By the way, speaking of movies, quandaries, last night, do you know it was on at the same time and strangely timed out that I could watch really both and not have commercial interference? So Star Wars was on one channel, I think it was TNT, and The Godfather was on AMC. I mean, what do you do when both Star Wars and The Godfather are on at the same time? That was some serious remote magic right there that drove my wife crazy as she was falling asleep. And Can you just pick one? It's like, there's just certain things that... You can't explain to your wife, and that's one of them. Like, she doesn't understand the concept that I can watch four things at once. It's just never occurred to her. But, like, honey, do I really need to explain myself here? Star Wars and The Godfather were on at the same time. That's hot. That was hot, for sure. I forgot how I got there talking about the NBA All-Star game. Oh, yes, movies and Space Jam and the such. But, yeah, the NBA changed its format and yada yada. So we're going to talk Yankees and Twins a little later with uh, Yankee Boy. We'll bring in Seth and do a preview of that game. This should not surprise you, but I think this is because of that Yankee thing. As much as I just brought it up a moment ago, I don't think we need all-star games anymore. We have the Internet and the way that sports has this saturation of coverage and social media. You know you know who Mike Trout is. You know who these players are, even though they play on the West Coast. And, you know, we're all connected. We get all the stats. Fantasy sports, obviously, has made us all aware of players that, you know, back in the day— You'd only see on the game of the week or at an all-star game or players that if it was outside of your window of the world, you wouldn't care. Now, as much as baseball is thriving at a regional level, there are still brands and teams and names that carry weight. The Yankees are obviously one of them. And that's why I think you see this. Aaron Judge finished the regular season with the best-selling jersey in baseball. Judge also had the best-selling rookie jersey ever, according to Major League Baseball. Judge top Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs, who were dominating last year when the Cubs were making their run, they finished second and third. Clayton Kershaw and Bryce Harper rounded out the top five. Now, the best player in baseball wasn't even listed there. Mike Trout, and you know we can go back and forth on this discussion. Trout... Harper, Stanton. You know, Jose Altuve had an amazing season for the, you know, the Houston Astros, winning the batting title by about 10 miles. Depending on your definition, there's some names and some stars in there, but it just goes to show you we can be a connected society. We know who these guys are, but if you're not on a certain team and you don't get certain exposure even today in 2017, you don't top this list. Aaron Judge hits a lot of home runs, he's young, he's in New York. He's a Yankee, all the magical things that will, you know, and it spans generations. The kids want the jersey and the adults want the jersey and the 25 to 54 year olds want the Aaron Judge jersey. At 25 years old, Judge not just the youngest to find himself at the top of the list. Two years ago, Chris Bryant finished the season number 1 at the age of 23. So people are latching on to young stars quickly. It's not just established guys. And Aaron Judge has been around for 10 minutes. He's already in the MVP discussion, in the Rookie of the Year discussion, record-setting home run mark. Now, if Aaron Judge does that, everything I just described for certain teams in baseball— He does not top jersey sales Even though he's the same player If you put Aaron Judge in an Angels uniform or an A's uniform Or a Royals uniform In those markets in those cities He's an over the top star But is he leading all of Major League Baseball in jersey sales? No Now for those That will say that New York doesn't matter and markets don't matter And you know look at the NBA no one wanted to go To New York because the market size doesn't matter And you can make your own brand and Now, it does still matter. In that same city, it matters if you're a Yankee. Let me put it to you this way. If Aaron Judge is doing this as a New York Met, same city, I don't think he leads Major League Baseball in jersey sales. There's just something about when you do it as a Yankee, it pushes you over the edge. That's hot. If Aaron Judge is doing this with the Red Sox, I don't think he tops Major League Baseball. He's up there. He's still top two or three, but I don't think he leads. The Cleveland Browns, and you know this is going to be bad, right? Every time we say the words, the Cleveland Browns, nothing good is going to come out of my mouth here, and I'm sorry to say, Browns fans, that that hasn't changed. The Cleveland Browns have tied the record for the worst record in NFL history over a 31-game span. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, Their record, and do I have the number here? I'll find it as we're yakking about it here. Uh, According to Elias, it matches the worst record in NFL history. It is the same mark that the Houston Oilers from 72-74 and 82-84 and the Detroit Lions, and I love this note in the story, the Detroit Lions several times, most recently 2007-09 and 2008-2010, also had a 2-29 and mark, there it is, over 31 games, a win-loss percentage of 65%. Uh, said Hugh Jackson, the head coach of the Browns, it's horrible on his overall mark of 1-19 as the Browns head coach, and I will be the first to tell you that. De- I just love that Detroit's on this list several times. Detroit's two recent 2-29 and streaks were sandwiched around their 0-16 finish in 2007. And the Browns still have a ways to go here to match Detroit's overall mark for incompetence. The Lions went 0-16 and 7 2-14 and 0-9, then started 2010 with four consecutive losses. The Browns are five games away from matching Detroit's 2-34 span. Jet fans, that's how you tank. This is how you tank and acquire picks and trust the process and all this stuff. Your Buffalo Bills. Hit the Music are in first place and said, Tank, what tank? Are we watching Hogan's Heroes? What tank are you talking about? At least the Browns are doing this right. Hire a baseball guy, make it sound smarter than you really are, hire the coach everybody said you needed to hire. Hugh Jackson was the guy, and you're still Cleveland. When would you ever say to yourself, thank God for the Indians, who probably, as Ben Grew told us a few minutes ago on the show, will win the World Series this year? Good old Browns. Are we sure about bringing them back in the NFL? Maybe we should have left them idle after they moved to Baltimore in 1999. And I'm a Bills fan saying that. Speaking of hockey, this is just glorious. Yamir Yager is 45 years old and just signed a brand new contract to play hockey. According to TSN Hockey Insider Bob McKenzie, Yager and the Calgary Flames, quote, have more or less agreed to terms of a new contract. Pierre LeBrun of TSN and The Athletic said that it's a potential one-year, $1 million deal with a million in potential incentives. He had 16 goals and 46 points in 82 games with the Panthers last season. We talk a lot about Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's 40 years old, and Tom Brady is just the greatest thing ever. At 45 years old in hockey, to have 46 points in 82 games – That is more than respectable. That's incredible, and I'm thinking of Gordie Howe and some guys that lasted that long. But in this day and age, with how in shape guys are, the emphasis on speed, how the game has changed, 45, my man's still kicking. There are players in their prime, 20 years younger than him, that won't put up 46 points in 82 games. And the flowing locks of mulletness that we still get in hockey. I love that. That's hot. I love that you're just... Flipping around on a random night and watching hockey. Yeah. Am I am I high right now? Yamir Yager is still playing hockey. Yes, he is. And enjoy it. Take your Tom Brady. I'll take the flowing locks of Yamir Yager. 45 years old. Still doing it, baby. 437-7644. Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. I hear a comment on... Is this about Yager or is this about something else? This is uh, Tommy Heinsohn. He is the color analyst of the Boston Celtics. i tell you, I took a look at Baines in the shower. I, I, he looks like all of Australia. <laughs> he is really put together. Thank you, Tommy. We wanted to comment about Yager. You know, he's 45 and, you know, still. The Ask a Basketball analyst for a hockey take. That's what you're getting. I mean, we got to give him the, the. That's we hot. We got to give them that, right? I mean, shower analysis from the Celtics color analyst. Thank you, Tommy. And on that note, we will take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, college hoops talk coming up. Mike Cheshevsky said something interesting about current state of affairs in college basketball, FBI investigations and in the system as it stands. Tim Benz will join us next hour. Syracuse grad, he's a columnist with the Tribune Review in Pittsburgh and ESPN Radio Pittsburgh as well. Talk about those Panthers coming to the Carrier Dome this weekend, and we got baseball playoffs. If you consider the wild card, the playoff, which it is, but some people still don't want to acknowledge it kind of is the playoff, but Yankee fans don't care. You're in the playoffs, right? So we will certainly preview that game coming up against the Twins. We've got a lot to do. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.